Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. Today is another AMA episode, that is, Ask Me Anything. I love to answer your questions, and if you have a question you think is going to be a broad interest, send it in. I'll answer it live on the air. Send your questions to victor at victorjm.com. That's victor at victorjm.com. This question comes from Tracy, who writes, I'm a developer and a builder in eastern Washington state. I've been in talks for months with a regional bank for a new apartment building. We satisfied all the preliminary requirements to be pre-approved. Recently, we went for final loan approval for the project, and the bank came back with the determination that they did not have the liquidity to fund the $7.5 million loan, nor could they find another bank that was willing to participate in the deal. I'm not completely surprised by this, given the information you've imparted in your hugely informational podcast. However, I have several commercial loans with this bank, and it made me start thinking that I should probably check the health of the bank so I could determine if there's additional risk to my portfolio. So my question is, what information should I gather and how do I gather it to determine the stability of a bank? And the secondary question is, if a bank fails, what happens to those that have borrowed from that bank? Everyone talks about the deposits, but how does a bank failure affect those who have loans in place with a failing bank? Well, Tracy, thank you for the kind words, and this is a fabulous question. You're actually lucky the bank was honest with you. Sometimes they will tell the borrower that the loan was denied by the loan committee and leave the borrower feeling like somehow they have failed. What you're experiencing is the credit crunch that we've been talking about and predicting for several months now. It could be the bank is merely holding on to cash in order to protect itself from the unforeseen. It could be the bank has looked at the loans that are maturing in the coming year and determined that they're sitting on a high default risk. Or it could be that they're really in trouble now and they need additional cash right now. The bank regulator will perform stress tests on medium-sized banks. But these stress tests take time and a regulator has a lot of banks to get around to. A lot can change in a short period of time. A few loan defaults and boom, the picture changes. The bank's balance sheet, which is published quarterly, might contain some useful information. But there's so much of bank financing that happens off balance sheet these days, there's many ways for a bank to hide its troubles from public scrutiny. If the bank has taken advantage of the discount window at the Fed, that's a sign the bank is looking for temporary sources of liquidity. If the bank has taken advantage of the latest tools from the Federal Reserve, specifically the BTFP or the Bank Term Funding Program, that's another sign the bank might be in trouble. This information is publicly available on the Federal Reserve website. For that reason, some banks avoid using these facilities because it's like putting a giant flashing red light on the roof of the bank announcing to the world that they're in trouble. Now, if a bank does go under, the lending institution who buys the bank will inherit the loan portfolio. As a borrower, you're not adversely affected by a bank failure. Where it could be a problem is if the acquiring bank has a vastly different policy from your originating bank and they start recalling loans. I've not heard of too many cases of that happening, but we saw some of that type of activity in the wake of the great financial crisis in 2008. Construction loans, like the one you're contemplating, are usually very profitable for a bank. In many cases, a bank will fulfill the loan and then sell the loan as part of a packaged bond offering in the open market. At that point, the bank remains the loan servicer and they get the origination fee for writing the loan, but ultimately the loan gets pushed off the bank's balance sheet. In many cases, the bank will require all of the equity and the interest reserve from the borrower to be placed on deposit with the bank as a condition of the loan. Since the equity could represent anywhere from 35 to 65% of the loan amount in today's environment, 
this ends up being a great deal for the bank. The $7.5 million loan might require you to place a few million on deposit with the bank. That larger deposit is actually more than enough to fund your loan when you take the bank leverage into account. As a borrower, I wouldn't worry too much about a bank failure. It's the corresponding deposit at the bank that's actually the greater risk, since you would be very likely escrowing your equity and the interest reserve with the lender, you would probably be depositing funds above the FDIC limit. And that's where the risk lies. Well, Tracy, I want to thank you for sharing your real-life case study. It can serve as a proof point for our listeners to demonstrate what a credit crunch really looks like. And for the listeners at home, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. 